You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. You're overtired. <laughs> Probably, you know, had a big gulp or two. Yeah. And yeah. you're still a child. Yeah, and exactly. So you, see a, you see a guy running after a rabbit and you think it's the funniest <laughs> thing on the planet. Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the To and Out CFL Podcast. He's got it! Oh, baby! Every week, Travis Kura. That's yeah. Grey Cup me, which is a different person. And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people, too. Talk fantasy football. Bring you the latest in CFL news and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Oh, nearly intercepted it ends! And it's over! Ready, set, hunt! And we are part of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. It's Travis Curra and Brazilian Ty. Ty, it's it's such an honor to be recording with the birthday boy. This, it was a struggle to get out of bed today. You've already, in the 45 seconds that we've been talking, have chugged a, a bottle of high quality H2O. So yeah, it's a different tie today. I can't even drink Coke today. <laughs> wow. Then I, I know that you're definitely off yeah, if you can't do that. I, I am hurting. I also watched a dog get absolutely smashed by like a Pontiac Sunfire at what? 11 o'clock at night. So that was great. Paint this picture for me. Like, why were you hanging out on the side of a highway at that time we, of night anyway? We weren't. We were coming back from town. Oh. And the dog, the dogs were hanging out on the side of the highway and decided to try to walk across in front of us. We had stopped, and it was a car coming the opposite direction, doing like a hundred kilometers an hour. Ooh, yeah. If I was eight, I probably would have had nightmares. But at the time, I was thirty-three and a man, and I just drank it away. <laughs> Another therapy session with Ty on the podcast. I was younger back then. <laughs> Younger me made poor decisions. <laughs> With Pod Power, our sponsors are making it possible for us to amplify the voices of Albertans and Alberta podcasters. This episode, the Edmonton Community Foundation is helping us give a Pod Power shout out to What's the Cheese Miss? A new podcast with an inside look on the Pilipinx identity in the diaspora. Cheese Miss is the Tagalog word for gossip. You can subscribe to hear weekly episodes about disappointing your parents, breaking it to your friends that you're not Italian, trying to figure out why you punched the car, and much, much more. Man, I feel like you would fit right in here. What's I do che- have Italian in me. <laughs> What's the Cheese Miss is produced by CJSR, Edmonton's campus and community radio station. Download it wherever you find podcasts and on What's the Cheese Miss. That's T S I S M I S. In the huddle with Kura and Ty on the Two and Out podcast. All right, Ty, we just wrapped up a week 10 in the CFL. Wild week 10. A wild week 10. It seems like, well, actually, there's been a several wild weeks so far this week, but as the season moves on, everything is just amplified that much more. It started with the Montreal Alouettes being the first team to win at IG Field other than the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in over 1,000 days. Just... Exactly what we thought was going to happen. Well, I mean, Winnipeg plays such an exciting brand of football. 
<laughs> that I I really thought that they would win again this week, but that turned out to not be the case. Man, they had Bomber Nation fired up. They had over 31,000 mm-hmm. through the gates there, making all that noise. They wanted to drown out the air horns, and, and it never really happened. No. The Bombers, to me, they just looked like a tired team. You don't want to make excuses, but <laughs> every other team has had a bye week or two. They've had none up yeah. until now, and they just Which is absolutely bang. nuts. It is. Like the, the way that the schedule worked out, I, I don't understand that. But two weeks in a row, Montreal's defensive line was causing problems for Winnipeg's offense and Zach Kolaris, and they did it again this week. They, somehow, like we, we talk about Winnipeg's offensive line a lot. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and no, don't want to besmirch or, you know, not mention Calgary's offensive line. Like they've been great too. Uh, over the past, you know, give it five, six years, uh, I don't, I don't know what Mont- what adjustments Montreal has made in these past two games, but they were able to make them look average. And if you can do that to to the Winnipeg offensive line, it goes a long way. Their average is still decent, but it's it's not what uh, what they need to or what they need for that offense to to have success. Montreal struck first on a touchdown drive aided by a pass interference call on Winston Rose. But overall, Rose had a pretty good game when you're you're guarding Eugene Lewis for much of the game. And Gino had two catches for eight yards mm-hmm. on last week's episode. Yeah, I was talking with Ryan. I said, if you stop Gino, you'll stop the Alouettes. <laughs> they stopped Gino. But they didn't stop the Alouettes. <laughs> I mean, it's not like this game had somebody take over. No. Like, I mean, Harris, 18 to 27 for 213. Zach was 21 to 27 for 251. Like, they, nobody really stood out other than just the fact nothing seemed to go right on offense for Winnipeg. It, like, the Montreal defense, it like, without it, I don't know what... Like Winnipeg probably wins this game going away if Montreal's defense doesn't play like it did. Like, I mean, it it it, it went to overtime, so I mean, they allow one one more score. It, it's not even, or it's not it it's a game still if it's only a field goal or one score. But I mean, it's a loss. It was really just a scrappy game for the mm-hmm. Owls. I mean, and and I think they're a scrappy. That's the way team. they have to play. I think. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny, we, we talk about the Bombers being the most disciplined team in the league, and I, I think they still are. And this overall was a pretty disciplined game, 5 for 60 for Montreal. That's probably usually a quarter of a game for them. <laughs> but the Bombers, 6 for and 57. And the Riders and the Elks. Yeah. <laughs> 6 for 57 for Winnipeg. Just the timing. Of those mm-hmm. penalties because that pass interference helping Montreal get that touchdown. But at the end of the game and that play calling by Montreal from first down from the four and they not call, even running an offense. No, they just went quarterback sneaks from Dom Davis. It, I don't know. It looked like they were playing kind of scared. And then Winnipeg stopped them. Third and one. Mm-hmm. 
but half an inch offside. And and those are mistakes that Edmonton makes, that Saskatchewan makes. That's not a Winnipeg mistake. And that's why Saskatchewan and Edmonton are in the bottom of the Western Division. And exactly. And that's why Winnipeg's a championship team. And that's... What have I said? What have I said about offsides on the goal line? It's there's no excuse for it. You should be cut. I don't care who you are. I, it's it, it's inexcusable. There's literally a line there. Look down, check your hands, make sure that you're not leaning over that line in the neutral zone, and go from there. Like it's not that hard. It is not that hard. That cost him the game. Yeah. That well, and there were a lot of other plays left on the field, honestly. But it could be argued Dakota Prukop cost in the game. And uh, <laughs> well, yeah, those, those missed field goals we haven't even got to yet. Mm-hmm. But I mean that that whole moment where you gave Montreal another shot, like the, the terrible play calling, and it would have cost Montreal. But now that's all kind of forgotten about. Dom Davis, a former Winnipeg Blue Bomber, hopping into the end zone (laughs) with the fans, basically. I mean, the guy's wearing a helmet, so punching him. (laughs) I've never seen anything like that. (laughs) Enjoy breaking your hand. (laughs) And then last year, the big conversation in Winnipeg was the kicking. And Mm -hmm. this year, it hasn't really come up yet. Now it has because Winnipeg, yeah. Montreal gave Winnipeg the time and Kolaris will take the time. 32 yard field goal. That's, that's shorter than a extra point now by a, a few yards. It almost looked like it got deflected. I had to watch on my phone. Oh, yeah. It was a train wreck of a kick. Oh, man. Like it came out sideways. I'm like, okay, well, that had to have gotten tipped, whatever. Like make fun of Leggy all you want. Like it's a tough. Can't kick it through a hand. It's not like yeah. a tree where it's ninety percent air. But yeah, if it if it's that big of a dumpster fire, like it's that just amplifies the mistake, right? Like it just makes it look that much worse. And he was fifth in field goal percentage this year coming into that, or after I guess now. Like it's it was a discussion last year, and it kind of subsided this year. I mean, he made some kick. He's made some big kicks, but when you miss two back to back, to you know. Win the game, it's or well, one to tie the game, I guess. But it's yeah, it, it's just gonna, it's a bad look. And uh, kickers seem to be like you know the most expendable players on the roster. They got to be damn near perfect, it seems, every week because this talk always comes up when they start missing kicks. Mark Legio, uh, yeah, had that game winning kick, time expiring. Misses it, and then in overtime, Montreal kicks a field goal. They get stopped, and <laughs> Legu had an opportunity to extend overtime and misses again. It was he went, only he went full mighty ducks. It would have been a quarter of the quarter of an inch. That ball hits and goes through. Oh, I, I thought I, it was going to hit. Through. I thought it was going to hit the upright and go through, but nope. Yeah. It was a direct shot yeah. <laughs> and down on the field. But I mean, credit to Montreal because they limited Winnipeg's defense. Like their defensive line wasn't really able to. They got one sack, and that was it. They they yeah. didn't really get to Harris, and you know, make him force him to make mistakes and. They just made it work, and the scrappy team walks out of Winnipeg with a win. Now, all of a sudden, 
that East Division. Well, I, I think the East Division was a bit of a mess uh, before this week too. But it, now they're, doing, they're kind of doing their own little version, like the little brother version of the West Division. Like yeah. the points aren't there, but the the tightness of the records and the point and you know the the room between positions is there. Montreal's got two wins against the West Division, and that's two more wins against the West than Edmonton has. So uh, <laughs> Montreal and Hamilton are now 3-6 and six on the year, and mm-hmm. they're playing this weekend in Montreal. That is yeah. a big game. Yeah, it's massive. Like that, I, I don't want to say, like, you know, whoever's going to win this game like is looking at, you know, locking down a playoff spot because they're far from it. I mean, you'll have a two-point separation, and that East Division, I mean, the West, I, I just don't know what is going on quarterback-wise, offense-wise in that East Division. They can't seem to get anything together the last couple of years except for Hamilton. Toronto had a decent year last year, but like these teams, it, yeah, they beat up on each other, and that doesn't help the records. you know. And then they come and play West opponents. Yeah, Montreal's the only team. To beat a West Division opponent out of that division, <laughs> and they've like, done it twice, and they've done it twice. Yeah, like it's just doesn't bode well for like you know going into playoffs and stuff. Like I mean, Grey Cup. I know it's only one off, but when when you can't beat teams in the regular season, I don't know, don't know how you beat them. You know, when all your chips are pushed in and it's you know cold weather football, like it's they got to figure something out. Like nobody's taking control of that division, run away with it. Like. I mean, Ottawa technically is they're they're four points back of a playoff spot right now, and they're <laughs> one and seven. Hey, and Ottawa's got Edmonton. Well, I mean, that's an opportunity for both teams, I guess. But, is it? <laughs> that's a game that I have no idea what's going to look like on Friday. So we better talk. Edmonton uh, Edmonton's used seventy nine players this season. <laughs> wow, seventy nine. So- so that is similar to his first year in Saskatchewan. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Ticats winning 34-27 over the Toronto Argonauts. Fire Ryan Dinwiddie. Just do it already. Put yourself out of this misery. This is a crazy game. But, I mean, okay, explain to me. how you Have you ever seen a delay of game before opening kickoff? Only on Madden. <laughs> Nine penalties for 132 yards for the Argos. Yeah. And I think what you're referring to for Ryan Dinwiddie, when it's third and inches and they elect to punt, but when a team the lead to me, it looked like they were scared of the Hamilton defensive line. And I get it. I 100% get it. Don't care. Don't care. Well, you should be able to get a couple inches. I mean, you, that's, you have to go for it there. But they they go for it on uh, second and short too. Mm-hmm. A, a lot of times, what we'll see is a team they'll take a shot on sec second and short, and then go to try to convert the third down. They tried to get the inches on second, couldn't do it, so then they just kicked it away. Now Lawrence Woods returns it all the way for a touchdown. It gets called back on a holding call anyway. That's when Matthew Schiltz came back into the game and hit Tim White for a 60-yard touchdown. So Hamilton scored anyway, but yeah. a bizarre decision by Dinwiddie. It's stupid. Like Whenever we talk about Ryan Dinwiddie, it's never about good decisions. Yeah. We, we never 
talk about any of his redeeming qualities because it just he pisses away games. And I tweeted it out after that game, or not even after the game, it was during the game after that decision. And we talk about in baseball how managers don't win baseball games, but they, they sure as hell lose them. And that's what Ryan did what he's doing. And it, it happened last year too, a bunch of times. Like it's it it's they should be embarrassed. Like that's and then and then McLeveth Thompson comes off the field and he's getting trying to get in his face because he wants to go for it and he knows they should be. Who was yelling coach, at Macbeth there? I'm, that I'm the loser coach who's trying to tell him he's the head coach, he makes the decisions. His decision is wrong and everybody on that sideline knows it. Everybody in that stadium knows it. Everybody watching at home knows that's the wrong decision. And he still has a job. The Argos got off to a lead in the first quarter off that off that interception, but they did end up losing out another interception later in the game uh, because of a pass interference. But we, we got to talk about <laughs> some of the calls in this game because, well... I'm glad that, that roughing the passer on Winton McManus ended up getting mm-hmm. picked up. It was, oh, I watched it again. I love when the commentators on TSN are like, uh, what? Yeah. <laughs> so the eye in the sky, command center, whatever comes in and then uh, they pick up that, that flag. I, I thought in the second half, th- that face masking call, I think it was called on Garrett Davis. To me, it mm-hmm. looked like he grabbed him by the shoulder. Yeah. I don't know about that. Yeah. I rewound it. I I didn't see the face mask there, but that end <laughs> that end of the uh, first half. I think that drive ended up just making Hamilton mad going into to halftime. It, it turns out when you when you give a late score up at the end of the first half, and people will say momentum this that's real that's fake you can't measure that. But I actually think that it angered the Hamilton defense. So <laughs> what we have happened there, I, I don't even, this stat sheet is an absolute mess. I, I can't look at it. Like it hurts my brain. <laughs> so we have uh, the interception by Siante Evans. But mm-hmm. there was the penalty. Well, actually, there was about six penalties on that one play. So, <laughs> and it was reviewed. So the interception was called back. And then McLeod Bethel Thompson is sacked by Micah Johnson. And there's a face masking called on Justin Lawrence. And Justin Lawrence, by the way, was having his hands full with Micah Johnson, mm-hmm. which I cannot blame him. No. <laughs> At some point. Yeah. At some point, you got to cheat. Yeah. This is when Hamilton had Toronto backed up second and 20. And then that roughing the passer call on Dylan Wynn, which, who, I mean, it's, I didn't see, I didn't see him lift him and slam him like kind of Dunnigan was trying to sell, but Mm -hmm. he did drive him into the ground. And so I can, there, there are some roughing the passers, uh, we'll say in the Calgary BC game. That I think that was a body weight one. Are you talking about the one in the, in, in the end zone? Oh, uh, Cam Judge on uh, yeah, yeah. That, I think that one was because he landed on him. Right, and and that happened in with Dylan yeah. Wynn on McLeod Bethel Thompson. That's what I'm as well. thinking. That's what I'm thinking. The call is for it's because you came down with your body weight on the quarterback. Yeah, but at the same time, like you're kind of penalizing a guy for playing football. 
I know it like it's pretty it's pretty tough, but either way, that roughing the passer call extended that drive, <laughs> and uh-huh. then it was extended again because Boris Beatty goes to kick a short field goal, and Cam Kelly gets called for pyramiding. I don't know about that one. It because, to me it looked like he the just jumped. Stood up. The, exactly. It looked like he just jumped. Yeah. Pyramiding, like the whole special teams aspect when they're calling that those penalties, it's so hard. So you have, like, I don't know. I don't even think that's reviewable, is it? I don't know. And, and that's kind of the the thing when the the worst roughing the passer gets picked up off the field, but mm-hmm. that pyramiding stands. And we saw pyramiding again in the Edmonton game. But they, were, they also, I counted, I'm pretty sure I counted 13 guys on the line. <laughs> on that pyramiding call in the, in the Edmonton Saskatchewan game. I was like, what the hell is happening? Well, we were, we didn't have sound on, but I'm like, I have no idea what's going on anymore. Well, I saw that I watched it again today and he actually did put his hands on, on the line, but it wasn't, uh, it wasn't egregious jumping up six. I don't know. Yeah. But I mean, you can't, if you leave room for interpret, like if you leave that yeah. gray area in there, that's when guys are going to start getting hurt. Right. Yeah, but we did see three pyramiding calls in the last few weeks, and I don't know if we've seen three in the last 10 years. Yeah, <laughs> not that I can remember. <laughs> it's been wild, but those calls extended that drive for Toronto, and they've got a 21-14 lead going into halftime, and I thought Hamilton was really in trouble when Matt Schiltz had to leave the game. Jamie not, Newman not comes in. Not that he in. was lighting the world on fire, but... Right, and Jamie Newman comes in, and... They looked like they were scared to pass the ball. They they mm-hmm. were avoiding that altogether. And if Schiltz doesn't come back in this game, I don't know if Hamilton. I don't see a way that yeah. they win. Uh, it, no, I don't see it because when Schiltz did come back, he instantly hits Tim White for the sixty yard touchdown, and it's kind of off to the races there. The uh, Tie Cats took over. The defense took over early in the game. Toronto's had some success running the ball, but then they made Dylan win, Micah Johnson angry, and that seemed to be the biggest mistake. <laughs> well, and Andrew Harris going down. Yeah. That's that's a huge loss. Of course, because he had, what, three carries for 19 yards? Yeah. If you keep up with that average, you're going to win a lot of football games. Well, I mean, it's pretty easy when you... <laughs> Leave it there. I've, we were looking. I, at, could, I could. I could go for an IV right now, though. We were looking at some of the past uh, titles of Two and Out podcasts, and uh, oh, I think, man, I think low hanging fruit is a classic, and Ty's always there for the low hanging fruit. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I'm not a tall man. <laughs> But yeah, Harris, uh, I was concerned about his health coming into the game. He mm-hmm. he left last week with the wrist injury. This week, I, I think they said it was something like a peck or something like that. So A.J. Houlette comes in, 10 oh, carries, Olette, 47 yards. So he, he had a long of 27. So yeah. he rushed nine times for, for 20, 20 yards. <laughs> Hamilton really, really shut him down. And, I mean, yeah. Simone Lawrence making a big play in the fourth quarter. And at one moment, 
thought it was over for Simone, leaving the game with a uh, looked like a non-contact injury. Yeah. And those are always the ones that you worry the most about. Yeah. Like if a guy gets hit, you kind of know. Like yeah. Concussion or something's kind of bruised up, or but, but non-contact, knee, Achilles, hamstring, like anything, any number of things, and who knows how long that's going to take. But he was able to come back. And, I mean, if they lose... If they lose Schultz and Simone in the same game, I just don't. There was no chance. Yeah, yeah. And exactly. I think I think I think he kind of. I don't know if he came back at one hundred percent, but I think he he got it out because he knew what what was at stake. Well, and it's been alluded to that Dane Evans isn't going to be back next week mm-hmm. or even the week after the injury to his throwing shoulder. Might we have, be a little while. Do we have a quarterback controversy in Hamilton now? <laughs> when he does come back. I don't know. It almost kind of felt like it was brewing with Tommy Condell working Schiltz in more. And they were working him in on running plays, obviously. And Newman. Yeah. Well, Newman had a 30-yard run in this one on the go-ahead drive. And uh, that was followed up by the 23-yard touchdown by Sean Thomas Erlington Mm -hmm. to put the Ticats up 31-24. And I think that was his only carry on the game. <laughs> That's a pretty good average. He had two. He had oh, two. Two for 28, but one was a 23-yard touchdown. Yeah. So good for Sean Thomas Erlington here. But I yeah. think the, the MVP almost of this game for uh, for the Ticats was Lawrence Woods. He, he kept uh, yeah. Hamilton working with the short field. When you look at his – he was getting 25 yards a punt return. That's and insane. His long was 47, so it's not like he had a 99-yard touchdown to up that average. That well, is what... he kind of did. <laughs> I guess, yeah, that got called back. <laughs> but th- that's when you're looking at a... Uh, that's a normal kickoff return. He mm-hmm. did have three kickoff returns for 69 yards. Nice. But that usually doesn't happen on punt returns. No. And he was just chopping up the yards there. Well, I mean, that's why we... Always, we we bring up the fact that the, the no yards makes it more exciting. Guys can do that for there's sure. No fair, there's no fair catch. The, the opportunity to to break big plays like that are, are there, and and you see a guy take full advantage of it in that game. And fl- and you know, not yeah, you could say flip and field position because he did not, or he, I shouldn't say he did not. He gave Hamilton so many opportunities with a shorter field, and they capitalized. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, that return, everybody kind of on Twitter bitching about how it's the team. I'm like, no, that's holding. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Michael Johnson's out of position, <laughs> grabbing onto his jersey as the guy's trying to backpedal. It's like, oh, yeah, it's not holding. Okay. Can, can we talk about how terrifying it is to have Micah Johnson on your punt team, though? <laughs> like, I know the rosters wants. are small, but when that yeah. guy's out there throwing blocks... No, oh thanks. boy. <laughs> so we're after uh, round two of four. Tie Cats, Argos. Tie Cats have scored 54 points. The Argos have scored 51. So well, can, and that's why they kicked the field goal at the end. Yeah, point differential. Because point differential is going to come in. It can't get much closer than that for these no. two teams, and we've got two more matchups to go. <laughs> God, I hate this schedule. <laughs> hey, you talked about no remember yards. When, remember when back-to-backs meant something? Like it was Labor Day in the rematch? 
and maybe like late in the year you had a home and home and it, it always ended up being like for a playoff spot. Now we're just throwing them in all over the place. But these guys are going to be more cranked up come Labor Day and that's only a, that's only a few weeks away. Yeah. You talk about no yards and bringing in returns and that was big in this BC Calgary game. BC beats Calgary 41-40. Oh boy. The big thing here was especially in the first half, turnovers for mm-hmm. Nathan Rourke. So he got picked off. Um, there was a bit of a high throw. A few plays later, Jalen Philpott, touchdown. And then he ends up uh, throwing a pick six to Orimilade. And, and that gave the Stampeders a 20-3 to lead. But you never get the sense that the Lions are ever out of it because – they're not like a lot of teams in the CFL where they'll have these long drives and they'll end them in the field goal. The Lions are... They, don't always, really, they have long distance. Like their drives are they go a long way, but they're fast. Yeah, and and they end in sixes instead of threes. Yeah. So that, that's they, massive. Sometimes they, end, sometimes they end in two plays. Yeah. <laughs> but in the first half especially, Calgary was always working with a short field. Because mm-hmm. of uh, the return yards, Jalen Philpot had a 77-yard return. In the second half, the only thing that Calgary really did right was the Peyton Logan 99-yard touchdown. But combined, 297 kickoff return yards. That was big for the Stamps to keep or have that lead for as mm-hmm. long as they did here. Well, I mean, 297 kickoff return yards, that's a lot of kickoffs too, like, you're giving up a lot of points still. Yep, that's so, true. I mean, it, it's six of one, half a dozen of the other. This game is awesome. It was awesome. You're right. Uh, <laughs> we we got to talk about roughing the passer again, though. Oh, oh good. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> the, the Lions... Pillow here, my sciatic is acting. <laughs> the Lions got in within one score in, in the first half. I think it was 20... 20 to 14 or whatever it was. And Calgary gets the ball back and they get a 71 yard drive aided by the roughing the passer on Bo Mitchell. And I went back and I watched that. Uh, It was on David Menard and I'm, what happened? I have no idea. I have no idea what that flag is for. Playing football too hard? I, I don't know. We have to really feel bad for defenders right now. Well, and it's always been like that in football. I mean, especially in the CFL. The league doesn't care about defense. No, no, no. They they would rather just have, you know, a 12-on-7 game. I think so. Cover all the points you can. I I wouldn't be surprised if, like, once defenders start taking penalties, they got to, you know, sit off for three plays. (laughs) I, like I think it. it'd be fun, I like, like hockey, you know? Yep. Yep. <laughs> the like the offense is on a power play right now. But, huh. man, that roughing the passer that helped Calgary out, and all of a sudden it's 33-18, and uh, Calgary kicks a field goal to start the second half, and it was all B.C. And uh, I really think that the heat took a toll on Calgary's defense, and by the end of the game... Calgary, look look at the drive chart that Calgary's final five drives were. Punt, punt, Diedrich Mills fumble, punt, punt. Really, 
two or three first downs is all they needed to keep Rourke mm-hmm. off the field and let the defense breathe a little bit. Yeah, like you, you're, you're kicking the ball away, turning the ball over. You can't finish drives, and your defense, you know, the two-minute break and has to go right back out there. It's 34 degrees out or whatever it was, something stupid like that. Like, that takes its toll, and, and guys get gas, and they just keep having to go out there and go out there and go out there, and you have this offense in BC that is, listen, Winnipeg fans, the most exciting offense <laughs> in the league right now. Uh you know, guys, Lucky Whitehead, Brian Burnham, Javon Couture, everybody was making plays on that on that uh, BC side of the ball. They can stretch the field. They can run underneath. If you're a defender going up against them, you don't know what the hell is going on. It's so easy to get beat by guys like that with the, the speed that they have and the size that they have. Like That defense just kind of got beat up, and not like in the fit. Like They got beat up. It was so hot. They had to play so much. Like It just warmed right down, like you said. Well, and when you're running all over the place trying to cover these receivers, that'll tire anybody out. Man. Yeah, the rabbit looked fine, though. <laughs> I Okay, so I watched this game at like 4 or 5 in the morning. I'm pretty sure I texted you about record time at quarter to 6, right before I went to bed. My phone was on do not disturb. I went to bed at 3.45. <laughs> so I howled. No, I love the rabbit. I think everybody loves the rabbit. But when that <laughs> that guy up the Calgary sideline <laughs> flies in, <laughs> I don't know what the goal was to chase yeah. the rabbit or catch the rabbit, but somebody give that guy a contract. Like, that guy <laughs> could fly, and so could yeah. the rabbit, obviously. But You could take on the world's fastest cow. <laughs> I agree. And, I mean, that rabbit's agility – it can turn on an absolute dive, and that guy, oh, yeah, he got turned inside out in the end zone. Like, if you're defending that rabbit, you're tearing both your ACLs. <laughs> I, I'm sitting there watching the game fly for the morning, and that you're, guy you're over, flies You're in. overtired. <laughs> Probably, have, you know, had a big gulp or two. Yeah. And yeah. you're still a child. Yeah, exactly. So you see a guy running after a rabbit, and you think it's the funniest <laughs> thing on the planet. It was full three stooges, like, flying <laughs> in. Benny Hill. <laughs> Somebody do that. you got to set that thing to Okay, we talk about Calgary's drive chart. What about uh, BC's last four drive? Yeah, not bad. Field goal, touchdown, touchdown, field goal. It's the poise with Nathan Rourke. He's never out of it. But what's crazy is that when I was watching the game, it didn't really feel like as dominant as they were against Edmonton. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe because of the first half. Yeah, I think the comeback and and the turnovers. Yeah, and Rourke set a personal best in passing yards. He had more yards than last week. And he got another 400 yard game. Like this is getting ridiculous. Like him or like is he is he wrapped up MOC? Well, he's got MOC. I think he even. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to put anything out there. MOP. But I think he has to be MOP. And at this at this point, shown is your rookie. Like it's. I think those those three awards are probably locked up. I think and the craziest because of the performances that we've seen, like even just in the last three weeks from these guys, has been yeah, insane. It is. I mean, Rourke, <laughs> he 
he had 488 yards, but about half of them came in the fourth quarter alone. Yeah, he's had back-to-back games, 477 and, 47 and 488. <laughs> Seven <laughs> touchdowns, two picks, three rushing touchdowns. Like, He's an you, absolute monster. You, you can... Can only hope to you can only hope to contain him. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, I still think, and I, it's pretty obvious, the best defense against Nathan Rourke and the Lions is to keep your offense on the field. Yep. And Manage have the clock. Have some ball control. And the yep. Riders, <laughs> they're in trouble coming up against BC here. And Calgary couldn't do it in the second half. That's all they needed to do. Yeah. And I, I don't know if Diedrich Mills got banged up there. But he had almost eight yards of carry. They only gave him the mm-hmm. ball seven times. And they needed him to have the ball to extend some drives to keep Rourke off the field and keep their defense off the field. The, the more chances you give that kid, yes, the more you're going to regret it. Because that, that offense is scoring at will right now, it feels like, some, some games. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, if you're Calgary, Diedrich had to be – and and Peyton Logan, like I mean, you could spell them out, especially with the heat. Maybe wouldn't have been a terrible idea, but they needed to be a huge part of that offense because if you get that lead, you have to be able to sit on it. You have to be able to get those five six yards on first down, make it real manageable on second. Even if you can't get the first down, if you can get it to second and inches and, and sneak it, you have to keep your offense on the field. You have to find a way, and they just could not do it. Well, I mean, as far as Calgary goes. No disrespect to Sean Bain and Jalen Philpot, but they're your leading receivers when mm-hmm. Reggie Bagleton's out there and Kamar Jordan's out there, and I realize that they might be attracting um, attention from the Delvin Bros of the world, and they're probably blanketed by, blanketed by some really good defenders. Yeah. But Bo is not clicking with Kamar and Reggie like he, he has in the 18 past. 18 of 32. Yeah. Like, oof. Yeah. I mean, credit to BC's defense. Now, it sounds crazy crediting a defense when they they gave up 40 points. They gave up a billion. Yeah, yeah. But when you think about it, there was a return touchdown. There was a pick six. And a lot of times they were working with the short field behind them. Mm -hmm. And Calgary took advantage of those short fields. But... When they didn't have a short field, they, they just weren't clicking. So, hey, Ryan brought it up last week. After this season, Calgary's going to make a decision. They're going to have to. Is it going to be Bo Mitchell with Jake Mayer? He's got a two-year contract. But we haven't really seen much Jake this year at all. Well, it's been Tommy. Yeah. He comes in on the short yardage kind of thing. So. Yeah. It'll be interesting going forward in in Calgary, and but you speak. You talked about Bo like not clicking with with yeah. guys like Martin Jordan and stuff. Uh, every player that was involved in the offense for BC was double digits in fantasy points this week. It it's almost feels like Brian Burnham has been after his injury. He was kind of like a forgotten guy a little bit. Mm-hmm. Goes eight of nine for one hundred and sixty five yeah. touchdown. Yeah. He Dom had Rimes, some, seven catches, 101. Like, this is big catches for Burnham in this one. And yeah, Javon Katoy in that final drive was oh, yeah. ridiculous. And he also had 
69 receiving yards. Nice. Lucky Whitehead, the big catch that got them into mm-hmm. uh, field goal yep. range at the end of the game, too. And Keon Huge. Hatcher was 6 for 6, 61 yeah. yards. I mean, Burnham, 30.5. Rhymes, 23.1. Lucky Whitehead, 13.6. Hatcher, 12.1. Katoy, 11.9. Oh, Bruce Anderson, basically a rookie, 13.9 points. Well, that was his like first three game. Games, played three <laughs> games as a punt returner for Edmonton. Like, Last year, right? Like, yeah, ridiculous. And Nathan Work comes up with thirty six point three. Yep, yep. Like, he's worth. He's probably going to be fourteen thousand dollars now. Playing CFL fantasy over the past few years, it was always Michael Riley and Brandon Banks, or maybe even Andrew Harris. But he was in mm-hmm. the ten thousand dollar range, 10, yeah. uh, costing fourteen thousand dollars. Nathan Rourke is going to be that. And he's actually going to be worth it if he keeps. You stack, you stack him with a guy, and you can get those cheap values somewhere else. Now I don't even know if you need to stack him because if he's scoring thirty-five or thirty-six alone, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, do you really want to miss yeah. out on those points from Dom Rhymes too? Like he got twenty-three. Yeah, yeah. And he and wasn't super. Burnham expensive. had thirty points, and me choosing Lucky Whitehead, Lucky Whitehead with the return yard. Like I mean, yeah, yeah. You picked Lucky Whitehead, and you picked wrong. Like I like, know what. I know. So I I was against uh, Zach from Bonfire Sports, and uh, if I pick Burnham instead of Lucky Whitehead, I win the matchup. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I picked Whitehead, and I lost, I think, by 11 points or something I like that. I didn't lose this week. I didn't expect. Yeah, you were on by, so good I job. Didn't, exactly. I didn't win. And I think either. you beat me by point two or yeah. something like that with a zero on there. With the, with, yeah, because I accidentally clicked the X next to Malik Iron's name about 35 seconds before kickoff and then I went to add him back in and it's like oh this game's already started I'm like I'm watching it right now it is not <laughs> well I did I I was frustrated I did not think the Winnipeg defense would get me two points but yeah we'll get to both. those we'll get to those fantasy points after talking about the Saskatchewan Rough Riders getting a 34-23 win over the Edmonton Elks oh boy Another entertaining game, a Saturday doubleheader. I guess maybe entertaining for different reasons. Uh, nine for 100 on penalties for the Rough Riders. 12 for 140 for the Edmonton Elks. And the Elks, the Elks actually... The Elks had uh, more penalty yards this game than Tay Rogers, and I don't think anybody saw that. <laughs> and he has all season. <laughs> I have. It's been a while since I've seen one player especially an offensive lineman, garner that much negative attention from one fan base, but 51, Rodgers is doing it. Here, here we are. But what's what's behind him? Jamal Is Jamal Campbell really that undisciplined, or is he getting beat that often in practice? That You look at how Nate Rodgers played last night. You could, like, why not just put a mannequin there? <laughs> Just really? Put like, the fullback and right tackle. Like, I don't get it. Yeah, it, he, did, he didn't play good, and then he takes the penalties and gets another three-penalty game. It's his third of the year. Wow. One of them was a four-penalty night. Like, So he's had over 100 penalties himself this – no, 100 yards. He's in had 150, but only 130 of those yards have been accepted. Ooh. Uh, he has – so – when it comes to stats, they don't they they do count the decline penalties for yards. Okay, 
because it just gets so convoluted if you don't. Um, he has 16.1% of the team's penalties. <laughs> yeah. I was like, not the yards, just the number of penalties. But That's his yards point. was like, what, 20% of the team's penalty yards? 9.5. Almost one-fifth of the team's penalty yards come from one guy. Edmonton had offensive success early. They, they were able to run the ball with Milanovic, Litre, and Cornelius was moving around, making things happen. The Saskatchewan D-line couldn't really get much pressure early on. They didn't have sacks. Got a rouge, though. Yeah, they did. They opened the scoring with a rouge, so that's nice. <laughs> Uh, the, they had their first touchdown of the game, the Elks did, so they were off to a lead. But then the mistakes start creeping in for Cornelius a little bit. The, the fumble on the Saskatchewan mm-hmm. five yard line. And then an interception in the fourth quarter by Roland Milligan was, was, <laughs> let's call it not ideal oh. as well. I mean, it was a perfect pass to him. But at the same time, <laughs> The same time that receiver, uh, who was the receiver on that play? Uh, scramble drill. You don't right. You, you got to come back, and he turned the other way, and Cornelius threw it inside because that was the way he was facing. So why wouldn't he keep coming that way? No, he spun and went out, and Milligan's right there. Like mm-hmm. stuff like that too. Like that, I say undisciplined in a different sense, like not penalty wise, but like that. That's something that you should know. Right, like as a player, like you come back to the football when your quarterback is scrambling like that, and he didn't ran the opposite direction, and it resulted in turnover. Cornelius was thirteen of twenty three for two hundred nine yards, but he made the riders pay with his legs. Mm-hmm. Seven carries for eighty six yards, two rushing touchdowns, and he had the Elks in it all the way. But yep. everything changed with about twenty seconds left in the first half. Uh, Edmonton was up seventeen uh, fourteen, and uh, the stadium was getting pretty loud. Loudest I've heard it in a while because there hasn't been much to cheer about in Edmonton for what one thousand and thirty seven nine days now. Whoa, whoa! So Mark Cordy gets a, a oh no miss- thirty one thousand thirty seven. By yep. the time this gets released, it'll be one thousand thirty eight. Okay, so Mark Corte gets a penalty on that drive, but then takes another misconduct after the extra point gets ejected. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Highest paid offensive lineman in the league. That is correct. When you get ejected that early in a game, mm-hmm. it's going to have a massive impact Especially on your offensive on a line. Dead ball foul. Stupid exactly. Decision like got to be better than that. Yep. There is no excuse for that. And right after that play, Super Mario Alford returns the kickoff. Go ahead, touchdown, going into the most bizarre storm delay I've ever been a part of. What, what a block. Just <laughs> oh, yeah. and throws the hands up. Hey, Sergio did his best to sell that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm so glad that they didn't throw the flag there. <laughs> Like, don't put your hands up. That just tells you you did something. Because that draws attention. Yeah. <laughs> and then, hey, I, I, I watched that back today. And uh, that Edmonton horn, uh, were people going crazy about that on Twitter? <laughs> I haven't seen a damn thing about it. Yeah, see? 
I don't know. Seems like a double standard to me. <laughs> well, you you think people in Winnipeg would whine more about not having indoor plumbing or public or like you know vehicles, but <laughs> or no, an they got for an airport. They got to whine about it. <laughs> so we go into this. I don't know. I don't know what it looked like on TV, but that was a crazy storm delay. Oh, the storm delay! I was like halftime's taking forever. The, the lightning was a block away during the second quarter. Like, during the plays, you could hear thunder. And then at halftime, to me, it looked like the storm was out by Sherwood Park or Elk Island National Park. And, oh, let's delay now. But it couldn't have been that much longer than halftime anyway. But, mm. look, I don't – I'm no meteorologist, but – <laughs> It looked like they were trying to drum up some concession sales to me, uh, but <laughs> good for them. Maybe maybe Victor they sold Queen some more pills. Eh? <laughs> yeah, Durs and snares. <laughs> I do feel terrible. Jim Germany, Holloman, Ed Jones getting uh, uh, inducted into the Elks Wall of Honor, and it was supposed to happen at halftime. Halftime, and they get hosed. And then it comes after the game. When everybody left. So I think credit to the Elks team. I don't know if they had this planned, but the entire team kind of stayed onto the field. I mean, it was good that they got that. But when the fans walking out, man, that's tough for three legends in in green and gold. Um, But congratulations to them for getting on the Wall of Honor. It was the only option they had. The commission was in town. They they wanted to do something. I'm surprised they didn't do it pregame. Maybe that's the way to do these things going forward, you know? Yeah, kind of screws with the timing and everything because those ceremonies can take a while. Yeah, you don't want yeah. players warming up and then. But then at halftime, you kind of got to rush it, it too. So yeah, it, it's six and one half dozen. Yeah, so then Saskatchewan comes out after the half, and the defense adjusted. All mm-hmm. of a sudden, Edmonton couldn't run, and they were getting pressure on Cornelius. I think they sacked him four times in the in the second half, and the Edmonton penalties were just taking their toll. There, I think there was about three illegal contacts. Deron yep. Carter took a pass interference. Deron Carter took a, to a nicer guy. Deron Carter took a face masking penalty as well, and that pass interference was big. It set up Cody Fajardo hitting Duke Williams with the big touchdown, and Duke Williams with okay. It was the second touchdown celebration yeah. in those seats <laughs> in Edmonton of the year. It's, it's been done. But the first involving nacho chips, no? Okay. (laughs) I'll give you that. (laughs) I got to tell you, though. Nacho, nacho, man. I didn't watch the full broadcast because I was at the game. (laughs) I don't know how much the camera caught of Nick Marshall and Duke Williams chirping the Elks bench at every single second they had. Quite a bit. It's definitely noticeable. Look, good for Nick Marshall. I thought that on the touchdown run that Cornelius had, he could have had a little bit of a better effort there. But when you're trying you to cover... You can't, you can't run out every ground ball. <laughs> That's true. Darrell Walker, one catch on six targets yeah. for five yards. You shut him down. I mean, Kenny Lawler still had... Still had a 100-yard game, yeah. Still had a 100-yard game, but... Pretty hard to get beat by one guy yeah. if you keep him out of the end zone. 
Fajardo ended up having a poor interception in the second half, too. It kind of looked like <laughs> the ball just left his hand when he didn't want it to, like from my vantage point. No, it was pressure, and he was like backpedaling and fell as he threw it. Yeah, yeah. Because he went down before the pressure got to him. Right. Kind of right. thing, and he was falling down as he threw the ball. Like he should have just eaten that. Well, we got to talk about the pressure on him. Sometimes he's feeling pressure that isn't there. Sometimes mm-hmm. he backs up further than the pocket. Some of it's on him. A and, lot and of the indecision on whether or not to take off. Yeah, that, that slight hesitation just lets defensive linemen catch him from from behind. Right. Right. And a lot of it is on the O line, though. There there shouldn't be that much pressure when Edmonton's rushing three. No. <laughs> but I mean it can only have one double team right because i mean you basically don't have a tackle yeah and for for a guy <laughs> you got that you, you picked that up for a yeah. guy with a bum knee cody was yeah. looking he was moving around pretty good i saw a crazy. i heard a crazy stat i think the riders are 15 and one when fajardo rushes for over 30 yards he's the new daring durant Eight carries, 51 yards, two rushing touchdowns for Cody Fajardo himself. So he was making things mm-hmm. happen with his legs, too. And he, he always seems like this guy, and I think I've said it before, he has like a game-defining drive where he'll kind of struggle throughout the game and something happens where his confidence all of a sudden clicks. He yeah. doesn't really care about getting hit, and we saw it with the drive where he ended up hitting Duke for the touchdown. And also uh, McKinnis, Justin McKinnis had a pretty mm-hmm. rough drop that Fajardo had a dynamite play and throw to him there too. Yeah. So you got to back him up a little bit too as well. Yeah, and you guys on both end or on the other end of that pass have to make the plays too. Yeah, uh, but I think, like you said, that defining driver he gets the confidence. I mean, I think he realizes he's going to start taking hits to make some plays, where like he can't be like sometimes. Yeah, you got to scramble out of pressure and, and run from it, but. Sometimes you got to stand in there and take those hits because that's the only way you're going to get that throw off. And I think he does that, but he doesn't want to do it all the time. And I don't blame him. I don't think any quarterback wants to stand in there and take, you know, 10, 15 hits a night. Yeah. And we saw what happened to Mike, Mike Riley. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, stuff, stuff like that, like that one drive. Yeah, that's great. But I'd like to see more of it. And the, and the decision making, like it just seems to hesitate so much lately. It's, it, getting infuriating if you're if you're watching as a rider fan credit to edmonton's defense too because we talk about the riders limiting edmonton's run game in the second half uh edmonton did the same to saskatchewan frankie morrow he wasn't really a factor here 13 carries 46 yards who (laughs) frankie morrow oh i I mixed up frankie (laughs) hickson and jamal morrow but hey if you want to combine the running backs Overall, yeah. they weren't a factor. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Jamal Morrow has had some unreal weeks, and then he's had weeks where just kind of like 6.7 points fantasy-wise, 46 rushing yards, like you said, that's the one catch. Like, it's getting him involved, but it's not producing. I don't know if that was scheming uh, on either, you know, with the Riders' run run game or the, the Elks' D. Uh, but, I mean... He's still leading the league, or he came into the game leading the league in all in total yards and stuff like that. But uh, they they win the game in spite of that performance, which, which is kind of you know not I shouldn't say confidence building, but it, it shows that they can do it. Granted, it's against the Elks, 
So I don't know how much weight you can really put in it or put on it. But, you know, this this stretch of games that, that the Riders are in the middle of right now, they're, they're going to have games like this from the run game, especially when they play Winnipeg three times. It's really hard to get the run going. They're going to have to find other ways to win. And I don't think 11, and tw- 11 out of 20 gets it done against Winnipeg either. But the, the offense needs to find a way. Fajardo, uh, 55 percentage uh, completion percentage and 130 passing yards. And, yeah, yeah bad interception. That, that won't beat Winnipeg. His rushing touchdowns is what saved his week. Yeah, exactly. And I think credit to Roland Milligan here in the first half. <laughs> he was getting pretty frustrated uh, trying to cover Kenny the King. I think most DBs will get frustrated trying to cover Kenny the King. And he kind of rebounded in the second half and had the uh, interception that uh, helped Saskatchewan extend the lead. And also that pyramiding call extended the league. Yeah, quote-unquote pyramiding. Uh, touchdown Saskatchewan, mm-hmm. and the game was over. Man, it, it just seems like Edmonton gets their hopes up absolutely crushed. Dad's coming this weekend. He's picking me up. We're going fishing, and then he just doesn't show up. <laughs> but now they've got a home-and-home home with Ottawa. they got to split it. <laughs> they got to split it. Oh, at least that, got to split anything, it. If they go 0-2... Chris Jones isn't getting fired this year. That's out of the question. Not happening. If mm-hmm. they go 0-2, you think we've seen some crazy changes up to now? With the roster? With the roster? <laughs> about to get wild. I guess their opportunity here is that Ottawa at home has been atrocious. Yeah. So that's Edmonton's opportunity going yeah, well, into the nation's capital. Edmonton at home in the last three years has been atrocious. Yeah, that, that, hey, maybe both road road teams win. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's I think that's the play. <laughs> oh, I don't know if I want anything to do with those games, but you don't, do not bet on that on, on the Elks Ottawa game. You do not bet maybe bet the under. Maybe bet the under. <laughs> yeah, you can do that. I bet the over in the Calgary BC game. Those are easiest that I've yeah. ever made. Yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> uh, but yeah, don't bet on te- on games with bad teams. Like you're not gonna bet on a Jacksonville, yeah, <laughs> whatever Detroit Lions game. You're not gonna do it, yeah, unless you're an absolute degen <laughs> like you. <laughs> this episode of Two and Out brought to you by Taproot Spotlight, a service that helps businesses and organizations pay attention to the people they serve. Taproot tells you the news about the people and companies that are important to you. Use that information internally to keep everyone on the same page or share it with the world in your newsletter, on your website, and on your social media channels. Uh, Paying attention pays dividends. Find out more at taprootpublishing.ca slash spotlight. That's taprootpublishing.ca slash spotlight. All right. You went two and two in Pickham. I think everybody had Winnipeg. You just had uh, Toronto beating Hamilton, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I went three and one. I took the tie cats. I was worried when Schultz was out. <laughs> if yeah. he didn't come back, uh, it was probably over. What was the fantasy landscape looking like this past week? All BC or what? <laughs> well, yeah, more or less. Nathan Worth <laughs> led the way quarterback wise, I mean, 36.3. Uh, okay, I'm going to skip two and three to see if you can guess who they are. Okay. Oh, Levi Mitchell was fourth, and McLeabatha Thompson was fifth. Was it Cornelius? 
and Cody Fajardo. Oh, because of the rushing. The worst quarterback game we've <laughs> seen like in the same game, and they go two and three in, <laughs> in fantasy points. Like, wow. Absolutely ridiculous. Uh, running back-wise, Brady Oliveira, Peyton Logan, Bruce Anderson, A.J. Ouellette, and Sean Thomas Erlington. Erlington fifth with 8.8. Like, I mean, the touchdown was really all he did. But that does, doesn't that show you, like, this season, spending money on running back is not a waste the play. of time. It's a waste of time. It's, no, my running backs Peyton, this week. Peyton were, Logan. Peyton Logan has that value though because he returns kicks. Yeah, yeah. My my running backs this week were twenty five hundred dollar Bruce Anderson and I think four thousand uh, dollar Dedrick Mills, and uh, they were big in helping me afford uh, Nathan Rourke. But if <laughs> I had those, three thousand dollar AJ Olette in fourth place, yeah. If if those guys keep having decent games, then that'll yeah. help us afford a Nathan Rourke in our lineup. Mm-hmm. Receiver wise, I mean Burnham and Rhymes go one and two. Uh, Jalen Philpot, wow, the return, the return game, right? I mean that that's and huge. the and the touchdown he yeah. had uh, receiving. Yeah, Duke fifth or fourth, sorry, at eighteen, and Tim White seventeen point seven rounds out your top five. Sean Bain, I mean seventeen point four, he's just outside the top five. So I mean Calgary had a decent receiving game. BC was dominant. I mean, like I said, every BC receiver uh, double digits, and they're. One, two, three. There's five of them in the top 13 scores. Wow. Week 10 in the CFL season. Week 11 is coming up. Uh, Edmonton, Ottawa, BC, Saskatchewan, Hamilton, Montreal, Calgary. Is Edmonton, Ottawa the Thursday nighter? There is no Thursday nighter this week, actually. It's a doubleheader Friday and a doubleheader Saturday. Let's go, except for the 4 o'clock start in D.C. (laughs) I missed the entire first game. (laughs) So, uh, uh, to be transparent, I will be talking to Alouette's owner, Gary Stern, this week. Uh, Now, the full chat will come out September 1st, but... We'll see if he'll make a guarantee on the Hamilton Montreal game. I'm going to try and get that out of him and play that clip on Thursday. Oh, he'll do it. <laughs> I don't think it's going to take much. <laughs> also, the fact that you're, that, we're, that you're releasing that interview on September 1st just tells me that I get to have a fun Labor Day. You do. You do. Of driving back to camp. Oh, brutal. <laughs> Rate, review, and subscribe to Two and Out on your favorite podcatcher. I'll talk to you on Thursday, getting you ready for week 11. Take care. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.